At the UPS Store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS Store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Through 25 seasons, 4,561 episodes. I believe the Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. Today, we're going back to the very root of our personalities. As an adult, are there times when you feel like you cannot trust people? You have a difficult time controlling your life or a difficult time showing any kind of feeling. You can't confront people. You resent criticism and feel like you just don't fit in. Please listen to this show because it may not be a very happy one, but it will hopefully change the way you feel about yourself. And later in the show, you will meet a man who will teach us, has some specific examples of how to begin to rebuild your self-esteem because we're not crazy enough to think it's something you can do in an hour talk show. Before you meet our guests, though, I'd like you to listen to our audience and take themselves back to their childhood for a moment and tell you the words they remember ripping them apart inside. Do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah. I was adapted when I was just a baby, and I remember back when I was real small and my parents were telling me what had really happened. My real mother was saying, well, I really wanted to keep you, but your adoptive mother made me give you up. And my adoptive mother was saying, well, she didn't want you in this. She was going to put you in a home, so we took you. Well, how does that really make you feel? You, how did it? It made me feel awful. I mean, one way they're saying, well, I wanted you. No, she didn't want you. No, she didn't want you. And I was totally confused. I think now I'm venting my anger and my frustrations and my unknowingness towards my 15-year-old. And I... I love him to death, but I'm always telling him he's stupid, and he's not stupid. He might have had some problems with divorce and things like that, but he's not stupid, and I'm forever telling him, you can't do anything, you don't do anything right, you're just stupid, you know, and you did, can did, see that it's really... Did you hear the same thing when you were growing up? Did people tell you that? 
No, no, no they didn't. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's my not knowing where I really belonged, but it's not right to take it out on my, my oldest child. So all of this affected your self-esteem, which is what we're talking oh, about. Oh, big time. Today. You know, time. for a long time, I didn't feel that I was really worth anything. I didn't feel like I was really wanted anywhere. Mm -hmm. And how that affects your life is what we're talking about. Thank you. Yes. Yes, I was put in a foster home, mm -hmm. and the foster parents would always tell me that my mother gave me to them because I was so ugly. You know, they would say, you're ugly as homemade sin, and they'd say all those kinds of things till as I've grown up now, when I do meet somebody, a guy or something, and he says, oh, you're kind of cute, and I take it as maybe he's joking. He's trying to really be funny or something like that. So it, it's really hard. It's really hard to get over. You wanted to say what? Yes. Hi. I didn't have really anybody telling me that I was a terrible person, but my father used to always criticize my weight when I was very young. I always swear that I was born at 150 pounds. And what he would do is he would make funny comments, like if I was coming down the stairs, he would sing to Tantessi. And one time I was so proud that I lost like 10 pounds, but he kept saying, but Laura, you're still so big. So I sabotaged that diet. And in three times in my life, I lost over 100 pounds. And I think that one little criticism, and I would you know, shoot back up the weight and then some. So finally, about three years ago, I did have my stomach stapled. And it, thank God the weight stayed off. But I think that when I was growing up, too, as he would criticize me, I would turn around and criticize my sister and call her names and stuff like that. So I know that now as an adult, you know, with my own family, I do not want to repeat that. Okay. Next, you're going to meet my guests, three adults who say that the abuse that they received as children is just as dangerous and just as damaging as physical or sexual abuse. My first guest wrote this letter to me. She says, I was raised by a stepfather who never once touched me, who turned his head when my mother insisted that I kiss him goodnight. I recall him yelling his hatred at me, labeling me the goon of the family. To this day, I rarely express an opinion and even then expect to be shot down. Please welcome the woman who wrote this letter, Linda Janice Napier. We're glad to have you join us, Linda. My next guest says that his mother told him she didn't want him. He says that his parents never had any time for him. They called him the bad boy, and to this day, people still make comments like, you're really not as bad as your parents said you were. He never remembers any love, just abuse. Now, as an adult, he's having great difficulty parenting his own children without using abusive words. He says that he truly does hate his mother for the abuse. Paul McCracken. My next guest says she was called every name in the book by her mother when she was a child and teenager and criticized hundreds of times every day. She says she will never succeed in life because she just can't believe in herself. Shannon Rose. We're glad to have all of you join us here on the show. Glad to have you. trying to tackle is what I think is the root of all problems in the world. I believe that <laughs> lack of self-esteem is what causes war because people who really love themselves don't go out and try to fight other people either in their you know backyard in their community and in, and in the world. Don't you mm -hmm. agree? It's the oh. root of all problems. Sure. Yes. Yes. Like you know when I was when I was growing up I can remember many times of just being humiliated not only in front of family members you know during holidays my mother would send us away from the table for acting like kids. I remember at seven years old, she you know, dressed me up in a towel as a diaper and made me take the garbage out in front of all the neighbors just to show how bad of a boy I was and try to make me feel as humiliated as possible. And you did? I had no choice. Uh -huh. You know, as a child, you don't what tell I mean, your mother I no. I know you had no choice but to wear the diaper, <laughs> the towel diaper, but you did feel, I mean, I can't imagine what that does to a seven-year-old. Oh, it, it, it totally destroyed my image of myself. You know, the only type of attention I got as a child was very abusive and, and 
almost neglectful you know, attention. My parents were always busy running around to all these social activities. My mother was very verbal about the fact that children should be seen and not heard. You know, I was adopted too, mm -hmm. and I was told at the age of eight that I really wasn't wanted, that my mother was a slut and a whore, and she gave me up because she didn't have any way of taking care of me. Mm -hmm. And my mother kept holding it up in front of my face saying, hey, you were, you were chosen. We chose you. And it's like, well, if you chose me, what's, what's the point? Why? You didn't want me to begin with. Just by the way they acted and the way they just really... Was there ever a time, though, when you believe your parents did care for you? Because... I can remember some, you know, very fond memories before we moved from Bensonville to where we are, where my parents live now. And I was about eight years old when we moved. And from the point of moving into our new neighborhood, it was my mother had everything she wanted. She had her two children. She had two cars in the driveway. She had a house in the suburbs. They had two careers. I used to get sick and have to stay home from school. My mother would go off on her own way. She could have cared less what I was doing. She was more concerned about herself and her own life. And children she should be seen and not heard. I saw Shannon shaking her head. You heard that a lot, too? My mother used to tell me to shut up, don't laugh, stay in your room. I really wasn't able to express myself. I'm, I'm very hyper. I'm very outgoing. <laughs> But my mother, it was like she just didn't want us to be children. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. I was younger, I was forced to be an adult because I had to remember that right. I couldn't talk. I couldn't. I have a very loud laugh, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, my mother used to tell me, just shut up. Was this all of your life? Was this all of your life? Or were there times when you were allowed to express yourself? When I was living with my mother, no, I wasn't able to express myself. Mm -hmm. I can remember most children, well, all children, like to go outside and play. And I would, my mother would stay in her room, close the door. And I remember times when I would stand outside her door for two hours trying to get up enough courage just to ask her if I can go outside because I knew that the answer was going to be no. Mm -hmm. So, And how has that affected you now? It's affected me now because I just, I think because I don't believe in myself. Mm -hmm. I can't seem to get up enough motivation to do what I really want to do with my life. And that's because my mother always told me I'll never be anything. She wished I wasn't born. She wished I wasn't around. So it, she sort of stepped on my self-esteem and just swept it away. And. But even now that you know your mother had to be crazy to talk to her child that way, you, you still can't pull no, it together. It's, it's very difficult to let go because your subconscious mind has been programmed to believe that you're worthless. Mm -hmm. So It's, you know, the force of repetition. Yeah. You know, you hear something exactly. so many times the same way, you're eventually going to accept it without question. You know, it's just going right into your subconscious and, and it's your driving force. Worthlessness yeah. was something I got feeling for from my mother, you know, telling me constantly that I was worthless and worthless and worthless and worthless. It was, it was dug in so deeply that there was no getting out of it, even though I'm not living with her and I haven't really dealt with her on a real personal level other than occasionally, it's in 10 years, she still controls me with that, you know, you're worthless. I still mm -hmm. hear it, it still plays, it's an old tape that keeps mm -hmm. playing. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm fortunate enough, and when I say fortunate, I don't, it, this can go either way, but for me, my mother passed away in 83. And to this day, I think, don't take this the wrong way, but I thank God for that because I know that if my mother mm -hmm. was still alive today, I would not be as far as I am now in regards to even recognizing how she just ugh, belittled me. And I truly believe if my mother was still alive today, I would still be trying to get her to love me. Mommy, tell me you love me. My mother 
I can say probably three times she told me that she loved me. Mm -hmm. And I thank God that she's not here today because if she was, I really don't believe that I would be as happy as I am now, and I'm not ecstatic, believe me. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I do thank I understand. I absolutely yeah. understand. And I think you said it so that we all understand okay. what, what you mean. It's a sense of relief exactly. that you can go on with your life now. Exactly. Yeah. How difficult is it to go on, Linda? It depends on how, how strong a person you are innately, you mm -hmm. know, where, where you come from and what's inside you. Yeah. I personally think that when the parent is like that, I don't think they're so much crazy as if they had to have gone through the same sort of thing. It's a vicious cycle. I had a very loving mother. She's still a very loving mother. But my stepfather had to take me to get her, so I was baggage. And when I say crazy, I use the term loosely. Right, but the, yeah, I mean, and he, he, for example, was locked in a room with his brother at the age of about nine all day long and expected to babysit this child while his mother went shopping. Mm -hmm. So therefore, what was he to know except to grow up and do the same sort of situations to his children? Mm -hmm. I was his stepdaughter, so whereby I got the brunt of it as opposed to the rest of his children. But I'm a very stubborn person, and I just, in the last couple of years, bound to determine that I was going to go above and beyond it. I don't express myself verbally that well, for the most part. Anything I said, I could have said the sky was blue, and the, the ridicule would have been hysterical. Mm -hmm. it, it didn't matter what I said, I was totally made fun of. And it was done in such an intelligent manner that as a child, you simply thought that he was right. At the UPS store, we know things can get busy this upcoming holiday. You can count on us to be open and ready to help with any packing and shipping or anything else you might need. Is there anything you can't do? Um, actually, I don't have a good singing voice. <clears throat> the UPS... Nope. But our certified packing experts can pack and ship just about anything. At least that's good. The UPS store. Be unstoppable. Most locations are independently owned. Product, services, pricing, and hours of operation may vary. See center for details. Come in today to get your holiday goodies there on time. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. As an adult, I, I think you all are uh, much further ahead of the game than most people because <laughs> most people still refuse to recognize what role their childhood played. Well, no matter what your life is right. like now, it's a result of your childhood. Yeah. And I think very few people do realize that. Yeah, that the kind of person you that are is exactly because of the way... Exactly what you are now yeah. is yeah. what you and come the, from. The biggest fear of really starting to express yourself with that is the fear of betraying your family. Or yeah. being made fun of. And being of. made fun of and being told you're wrong and being yeah. told how worthless you are because you've mentioned these things. Uh-huh. I don't so. like to say things to people now because I am immediately certain that they're going to tell me I'm a fool mm -hmm. or laugh at me or do something. So I've had to overcome that and say, well, if they tell me I'm a fool, so what? I personally know I'm not. Yeah, I was going to say, but yet you're sitting on the Oprah Winfrey show. <laughs> Telling the world, say not me. <laughs> you don't like to say anything, but you're sitting up on this show, really. So Well, it's about time. It's a big it's leap a risk. for you. It's yeah, a that's risk. a big leap. That's to, to go from not telling anybody to telling millions of people is a big well, leap. Well, you know, I never do anything half-heartedly. <laughs> <laughs> Coming from your backgrounds, did your mother ever think that she was doing anything wrong? 
No. My stepfather at my wedding. Sometimes. At my wedding during the father-daughter dance, he was telling me that I had grown up to be such a good girl, and he was very proud of me. And he was surprised that I had grown up so well, considering all the things he had done to me. And that he apologized for doing it, but he had only done it to aggravate my mother all those years. Really? He literally told me that. During the, well, during the during father-daughter the father -daughter dance. I mean, he knew what he was doing. He was very calculated. I can't figure out, you know, how my, my mother is still telling stories. You know, she's a pathological liar as far as I'm concerned. She mm -hmm. constantly tells stories about me and my behavior. She told my mother-in-law at our wedding, well, I'm really glad he's getting married now because we were beginning to think he was gay. Really? <laughs> you know, and it's a real good, you know, start off the boat with my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> My next guest is the author of several books on this subject of self-esteem. He has devoted almost all of his practice to improving self-esteem, the way you feel about yourself. He believes that it is only a cop-out to say, I was abused as a child, therefore I will be an unhappy adult. Please welcome the author of How to Raise Your Self-Esteem, Dr. Nathaniel Brandon. We're glad to have you here. How to Raise your self-esteem, which we're going to talk about now. It's, it's not something you can fix in an hour, however. No. So let me jump right in the water, right? Okay. All okay. right. <laughs> it would be terrific if we all got raised with nurturing and respect. And I don't mean to make light of the fact that some of us had really painful and traumatic early experiences. The question still is, do we lie down and die or do we say, what can we do? Yeah. That still is the question. And maybe the place to begin is to ask ourselves, are we still internally treating ourselves just as badly as we were treated as children? Because the real trouble is that we carry on the work of the people who most hurt us even after they're long dead and gone. It's as if we're still staying to the child within that we once were. You're stupid or you're unlovable. Or you're ugly. Or you're ugly. Yeah. And the next step is that we treat the people we love most in a way that reflects just that lack of internal self-respect. First we do it to ourselves, then we do it to the people we care about most, such as our children. Mm -hmm. So if you are doing it to other people, you are also doing it to yourself. What you are doing to other people is a reflection of how you are treating the person within, above all the child within. Mm -hmm. And if you're told you're ugly or you're stupid, so you want to watch out. It was very interesting that you spoke about, you could hear the tape. We call that in our work a mother self, the internalized mother who is talking to us, yeah. but we don't often call it mother. We say, well, that's me. I'm calling myself these negative names are telling myself I can't do things. So I got to realize, hey, that is mother's perspective. I'm not obliged to share it, you see. Mm -hmm. I, now, that may take a lot of courage. And this is the next very interesting point. It can be terrifying to think that our parents were wrong. It can be terrifying. I see you're nodding. Oh. You get that? Oh, yeah. Even though they gave us a lot of negative messages, at a certain level, we stay bonded to them by continuing to play out as if we have no self-respect. Do we really or do we, or see, because what I said earlier I think is true for a lot of people, is that most people don't even know that it is their mother self or their correct, mother tape. Correct, correct. They correct. think it's themselves. It's an unconscious <laughs> process, but unfortunately we can cooperate with those negative yeah. messages. You see, the natural question we want to ask is why do some people seem to be able to transcend these very bad negative experiences. That's the question I really want And that ask. has interested me all of my life. And if I had to name one issue, they learned a certain survival strategy very early in life, which I will call a certain kind of ability to detach yeah. or to step outside the game. That doesn't mean they come into adulthood unwounded or unscarred, but there's some part of them preserved that's able to say, this is 
in your very correct word, crazy. Yeah. This is wrong. See, that is the most interesting thing I've heard in a long time. Because I was someone who was, I was just talking to a reporter who asked me that because everyone knows I was sexually abused. And she said, so how did you ever learn to trust men? And I thought, well, how did I ever learn to trust anybody considering the childhood that I had? But I don't know the answer to that question. I don't know why some people rise above it and other people do I, not. I'd like to tell you something which is probably going to sound phony and like a setup. And I can swear to you on my honor, this is true. I know a little bit about your background. And one day I was watching the show mm -hmm. and I told myself, Early in life, she learned the art of detachment. That was her most important survival skill. Is that what I did? I swear to you. I swear that to you. Because I have been trying. It's a question that, that really I, I carry with I myself. I got that from watching you do this show. And you see, that's really important. The ability, it doesn't mean we're not hurt or wounded or don't feel like hell. All of that is true. Can we preserve something that is outside the game that says, hey, there's got to be more to life than this. This yeah. is not the whole story. If anything in this world can save us, it's the idea this is not the whole story. <laughs> there is something more than this family or this neighborhood or this street. Yeah. And somehow I've got to find it. And yeah. to some extent, you folks have, because you're here. Yeah. To some extent, that was working inside of you, pain or no pain. With something of an ability to stand outside of yourself and look in and say, this is happening, but it's also happening to thousands of other people out there. You don't there. know that when you're a kid, though. No, no I, not just, as a kid, no. but as an adult. Yeah. Now as an adult, as I a, can come out of as it a child, because I see it. Sorry. As a child, what I was doing is just kind of looking from the outside into my family and, uh, you know, keeping myself away from the pain. So the all of it was just get stuffed inside just to well, survive. Well, I'm, I'm thrilled. It's, it's been an eye-opening experience for me. I love it when I learn something. <laughs> so, because uh, I've often wondered what that, what that is. And for me, it was... I. I think I told Barbara Walters this a while back. I always believed that I was destined for greatness, even when I couldn't articulate. But what I really knew was there's something better than this. Exactly. There's something better than exactly. this. Exactly. And, and you know, by the same token, sometimes if suppose you're one of a two-parent family, and maybe the chief source of the trouble is your spouse who's kind of cruel to your child, Aside from all the other obvious kindnesses that you want to give your child if you're the saner member of the family, anytime you can communicate to the child, if you know the situation is bad, there is more than this. Anything that opens a door to a wider view of life's possibilities is one of the greatest gifts that you can give a young person. So, but what is it about, you say, so you develop a sense of attachment. Why do some people have and other people don't? I don't know that there's an ultimate answer to that, except that some of us have a greater inclination to be conscious than others of us. We're not okay. all equal in the consciousness we bring to life. That's true. For me, in my book, I talk about what's the number one issue for raising self-esteem, learning to live more consciously. So if I began to think, okay, if I brought more consciousness to the way my parents treated me, and then I began to think about that, what would might look different? If I began to just bring more consciousness, if I brought more consciousness to my insecurities, you know, one of the things I'd like to suggest would show up that in spite of everything that's happened and in spite of everything bad I was told about myself, something inside likes myself. Okay. Now, the question is, do I have the nerve to live from that place? See, the real fascinating secret of people you, is you, not the negative, but the positive. Yeah, the, you say, you do say in the book, I mean, one of the, because there are lots of exercises that you do for yourself, and one of the exercises is, if I really could admit to myself that I liked myself, then what would happen? Exactly. And so what is it? Most people are afraid to do that? Well, think about it. Doing different endings for the sentence. If I were to admit that I secretly like myself, I might leave my job. I might change my friends. I might step out of this marriage. I might have to face the fact that mother and father were wrong. 
I could be happier. All sorts of things would change, and change is wonderful and yeah. sometimes a little bit yeah. scary. Yeah. Well, yeah, if you, if you really admit it to yourself that you like yourself, ultimately you have to make a change about the way exactly. you're living your life. Exactly, right. See, the biggest obstacle we've got is not anything anybody did to us. It's our belief that we can't change. If you see somebody who's able to be happy for any length of time, you're looking at a serious spiritual achievement. Yes. Thank oh, you. Yeah. I, I believe that in Absolutely. My, absolutely. But see, people get confused with spiritual and religious. I don't mean religious at all. I mean pertaining to the higher development of consciousness. Absolutely. Now let's talk about, let's clear this. I, look at everybody got something to say. <laughs> I would like to just let him make this point about conscious living versus, versus unconscious and be as specific okay. as you can about what, okay. what we mean. Every one of us in this audience and listening to this show can think of incidents in our life right now that we're dealing with that if we had been more conscious earlier on, we wouldn't have to be dealing with them now. Right. Is there anybody can you who can't relate that? to that? All right. I got uh, a few for Okay, you. now yes. whether it's who we, chose, who we chose to marry or how we've raised our children or how we operate on the job. So if we want to raise our self-esteem, begin by noticing I'm not equally conscious or unconscious in all the areas of my life. Chances are I'm more conscious in some areas than in others. So it's interesting to notice where am I more conscious, where am I less conscious? What would I do differently if I brought more consciousness to the way I deal with my children? What would I do differently if I brought more consciousness to the way I deal with my mate? Or to the, my job. Then you begin to make lists. Then you do something revolutionary, radical, mind-blowing. You say, hey, wait a minute. Why don't I try some of these behaviors? As an experiment, I'm not signing a 99-year lease. I'm not making a promissory note to continue forever. Let me experiment with acting out of more consciousness with my children, with my mate, or on the job, and notice if I like what happens. And I promise you, more often than not, you'll like what happened, you'll get a better result, you'll like yourself more, that will give you the incentive to continue the process. So the very first thing I would say is, ask yourself the question, what would I do differently if I brought more consciousness to this aspect of my life or this aspect, and then make some little notes, and try the easy behaviors first. Because the great thing about this is, no matter what, it's like skiing, it's fun for the first week. Uh, <laughs> Even the smallest changes, I don't want to oversimplify this or insult your intelligence or imply it's all like nothing. It's not all like nothing. But between nothing and everything, there's a lot of room to negotiate. Okay, you want to say what? Yes. Well, my abuse started as a child and not from the home, the parents or anything, but it was because I caught polio. I was stricken with polio at age four. So I had to listen at other children, you know, say you crippled this, you crippled that, you know, whenever there was a problem or... And you know, so now in your adult life, you do the same thing to your children? In my adult life, my abuse came from my ex-husband. Mm -hmm. You know, whenever we would have arguments, he would say those type of things. How does that affect you now with your children? I'm saying those things to them. God bless them. I really, I feel real bad about it. It's a lot of verbal abuse. I need help. Uh, it's bad, and they're young. for you? Mm -hmm. Well, you should do what I do. In the morning, when I get up, of course, I get on my knees and I pray. And what you do is, is that during the day, you try to be as conscious as you possibly can because I don't have any children, but in past relationships, I'm very verbal abusive. And what you should do is, is just write down before you go to bed or when you get up in the morning the things that you don't want to say. And after a while, you, like, you reprogram your subconscious mind because I write my affirmations every night. And sometimes I feel really silly because of the things that I have to write. Like, I love myself. I'm beautiful. I can be successful. I can do whatever I want to do. Another thing you could do is when your subconscious mind takes control, and I call it my other self, you just tell it to shut up.
Mm-hmm. That's what you have. I think that I, I think that's what we we're talking about earlier about living consciously, and you live so consciously that you, you re- write you it down. You got to right. remember that the child that you once were still exists inside of you. Very much. You are treating her or him abusively, mm-hmm. and the way you're treating the other people is a reflection of that. Therefore, yeah, exactly. I would say learn to have a more loving and compassionate and sympathetic relationship to the little girl you once were, the little boy you once were. That will spontaneously show up as greater kindness toward other people. Dr. Uh, Nathaniel Brandon's book is called exactly what we've been talking about today, How to Raise Your Self-Esteem. I have read this book. It is very good because it has specific exercises for you to do, and it makes you think a lot about your life and why you are where you are. How to Raise Your Self-Esteem. Thank you all for sharing your stories. I hope this helps somebody. Thank you. I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah show, The Podcast. And I thank you for listening.